Hello and welcome to the National Trust podcast. I'm Joe Dyson, media manager in the Southeast, and this is part two of my beginner's guide to bikepacking, a 36-mile cycling adventure along the North Cornish coast. If you've missed part one of this two-part episode, you may want to go back and listen to part one before continuing. So what is the normal morning ritual for a bikepacking trip? It's a really good time for a bit of a briefing and see what you've got lined up for the day. I think it'll be a good idea to just get out the maps and have a little look about what we're going to be doing today. So here we are currently in Bude, and I know you're planning on spending tonight all the way up here over the Devon border in Peppercoom Bothy. It seems like there are a couple of National Trust beaches that are accessible from the route that we're going to be taking. How about visiting Sandymouth, which will be a detour about six miles? Sounds a plan. I've also arranged for us to visit Hawker's Hut, which is the National Trust's smallest property. It is, looking at the map, here. So let's finish up here and get on our bikes again. Could I have that final bit of toast? Yeah, go for it. So we've been really lucky that the hotel here have let us store our bikes securely so we didn't have to lock them outside. Oh my gosh, they're not our bikes. So where are our bikes? There's some cards. Joe and Catherine, number one. Yesterday's hills were not for the faint-hearted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we have swapped your gravel bikes for electric bikes. These should make for a more comfortable and enjoyable ride. Envelope number two. These Rally Motus e-bikes help you speed along the flat and flatten even the steepest of hills. That sounds good. <laughs> Set your level of resistance and pedal as normal. Fully charged, you can expect a range of up to 76 miles. Let's go and see if we can figure them out. I think it'll be quite good fun to start in turbo so you get full effect, Joe. <laughs> right. Ready? Let's go. Oh my god, I can feel the. <laughs> You're motoring. I'm not even really pedaling and I'm turboing <laughs> on. Wow. <laughs> Catherine, this has made a huge difference. Even being on the flat now in eco mode, I can feel it sort of pulling me along. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? When you see a hill like that one in front of us, you don't get the same sense of dread. Oh, about to try some uphill in turbo. Oh, wow, that's amazing. It's just so easy, isn't it? It's mind-blowing. Oh, my gosh. Not even sweating. <laughs> it's just so easy. Oh, my easy. God, it feels great. I'm still pedalling and I'm still feeling it in my legs a bit, but it's just totally assisted. Oh, my gosh, this is almost dangerous trying an e-bike because I'm not sure if you want to go back, <laughs> would you? <laughs> Seriously, though, for bike touring or bike packing, I mean, it really is a kind of win-win, isn't it? Yeah. Suddenly so sleepy, isn't it, compared it to is. the hubbub of early morning viewed. Oh, yeah, another person on an e-bike. Morning. <laughs> I think it's the way forward in Cornwall, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, here we go. Look, left turn to Sandy Mouth. And we're just going down one beautifully smooth tarmac road all the way to Sandy Mouth. 
can see people. Here we are. So we've just wheeled our bikes down to the sign at Sandy Mouth. And look at this, make the most of Sandy Mouth. Go for a walk, geology rocks. Sandy Mouth is an ideal spot for exploring rock pools. I haven't been rock pooling since I was about, I don't know, eight years of yeah. age or something. Right, so now we've got the little walk down to the beach. The sea looks like quite a long way down, <laughs> so I think we'll be going down for a little while. We're going down through this almost like little valley, like a little ravine, flanked by grassy banks, covered in wildflowers, aren't they? They're gorgeous. Beautiful. That sign, caution, unstable cliffs. It's water cascading off the side of it. That's probably all of last night's rain. Look at these surfers. They're having a shower in one of the cascades coming off the rock face, <laughs> getting all the sand true. off their boards. I'm sure just around this corner, we're going to have the grand reveal of the sea. And oh, yes, no. there it is. Wow. I can't get over what a huge expanse of beach it is. It's amazing contrast, isn't it? These pebbles to start with, and then the sand right out by the sea. We've got some proper seaweed here with all the tiny little bubbles of air that you can pop by standing on them. Oh, look at this rock pool over here. So we're standing at the base of this rock formation jutting out the sea. It's probably about three or four metres high and it's covered in barnacles, whelks. I think those people are rock pooling. Hello. Hello. We were curious to know what you might be looking at in the rocks. We're doing a shore search survey so that we can keep track of what's thriving and what's not. Do you want to have a go at this? Yeah. What's this up in the crevice up here? It's a little fish oh face. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> you can see the eyes of the fish and its mouth. Is it alive? It's alive. It's, how it's, is it alive when it's not in the water? It's in the rock. I think it breathes through its skin. It's called a shanny. It might be a blenny. They're all related. <laughs> and they are very territorial. It's really staring us out, isn't it? He's keeping his place on his rock. So wow. he, he will swim around this rock when the tide is in. This will be his patch, and that's his hidey hole while the tide's out. What is this that looks like a sort of brown wine gum or a, or a little jelly? That's a, a sea anemone. So this is an animal that, when the water is in, will open up like a, a flower with tentacles. I happen to know there's one round the corner that's open in the sand. You can have a look at it. And there's just one there in the sand. It looks like a flower. That's He's got his oh, arms wow. out. wow. In the water. Oh, that is the same thing, is it? Yeah. It almost looks like seaweed. It's a circle of tentacles. Tentacles, yes. And they're called beadlets because at the base of the beadlet, they have a little blue poison sack, which oh. holds the sting. <gasps> it's not powerful enough to hurt you or me. Is that to catch prey? Yeah, so they'll eat fish and little shells and prawns. That's a little fish? Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. It looks There's so harmless, isn't it? 
Yes. Let me see if I can stroke it. Yeah, look, it's feeling oh. me. It's folding its, its tentacles in. <laughs> what does it feel like? Um, slightly sticky. It's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? Because as we walk towards this rock face, it just looks like a big inanimate object. And as you get close and you're talking us through it, it's actually all alive. It's, it's covered with, with living things. Yes. Thank you so much. I can see you're busy, so we won't take any more of your time, but thank you. It's been great talking to you. Have a good day. Okay, so our next stop is going to be Hawker's Hut. It's about six miles from here. But I think it's going to take us about an hour or so because remember that massive hill to get down here? Well, we've got to go back up it. <laughs> but don't forget, we've got e-bikes now, and I never thought I would say this, but race you. <laughs> <laughs> Ready, steady. Ah, I'm off! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> We've been cycling for about 25 minutes and our surroundings have completely changed. We're in an area that feels as though we're not supposed to be here. All this sort of wire fencing and enormous satellite dishes. They must be the size of a couple of double-decker buses, some of them. This place is incredibly hard to miss. It's actually been operational since the 60s, but it's only in 1982 that it was officially acknowledged. And only really recently, in 2001, they even had a sign put up explaining what it is. GCHQ Butte. So this is part of the intelligence service. But why is it here in Cornwall? Well, for a start, it's pretty remote. But the real reason is that it's close to where the old transatlantic telegraph cables used to land. And believe it or not, it's also the point where you can get aerial satellite line of sight from both the Atlantic and Indian Oceans. Each one of these satellites also has a name. That big one over there looks a bit like a Barry. <laughs> don't you think so? No, I don't think so. Definitely a Barry. As we get closer to Hawker's Hut, the roads are getting much narrower and closer. We're in a real kind of tree tunnel now, aren't we? I think I just saw a sign for Crosstown as well, so I think we're really close. Right, so we'll have to pause here because there's a sign saying no road for cars and bikes. This is where it turns into the coastal footpath. So let's leave the bikes here and we'll continue on foot to get down to Hawker's Hut. Cattle grazing. I wonder what we might find in here. difficult to imagine what sort of National Trust property might be at the end of this path. Yeah, it feels Where so remote, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. So we've had 30% gradients and some pretty tricky descents too. And now we've got the next obstacle <laughs> looking straight at us. It's Are we right, going to walk through them or around them? They're not sure, are they? <laughs> Which way are you going? We'll be fine if we stick on this side. Hello, lovelies. All right. They oh, were very gorgeous. curious. 
can see ahead of me is cliffs, sea, and no buildings at all. I mean, we really are nearly at the cliff edge. Well, look, the coastal path is weaving to the left there with the yellow arrow. Aha! Oh, and it Hawker's says Hawker's Hut! <laughs> On the map, it looks like we're kind of getting close to the spot, isn't it? This must be not only the National Trust's smallest property, but maybe the National Trust's best hidden property <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> Look! <gasps> that must be it. Hawker's, Hawker's Hut. Hut. So there's just a single piece of slate next to a wall. Through this tiny little gap in the stone wall. Oh my down god. Down some steps. We are literally on the cliff edge now. A sheer drop. What a view. What a view. Hello, you must be Jeff. Hello, welcome. Hello. Wow, so look at this. This is Hawker's Hut. This is, is Hawker's it? Hut. Wow. Smallest property the National Trust looks after. Completely wooden. What a place. <laughs> right in the hillside. It reminds me of Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. The tour will be very short. That's that then. Right, yeah. thanks yeah. very much. <laughs> What a place. Wow, may I go in? Yeah, shall we? Yeah. After you. Well, all three of us fit in there. With a squeeze. Wow. Incredible. We're essentially in what feels like a little shed with a really rather beautiful wooden stable door looking straight out to the sea. I can put my arms out either side and I am touching the walls and I can touch the ceiling as well when sat down. But all over the walls we've got so many carvings. Even the seats that we're sat on, which are kind of half bus stop-esque and half like a church pew. <laughs> yes. Every single surface is covered. Dating back to 2009. Look, yeah. this one's 1977, D-H-R-H. The really ornate carving is the older carving. So when you get to the more modern age, it tends to be more felt-tip pen, bit of a scratch. And the handwriting, I have to say, not as good in the modern <laughs> times. So what's the story behind the hut, Jeff? So Reverend Hawker, Robert Stephen Hawker, he was the vicar here in Morwenstow. The hut was his place away from it all. Robert Stephen Hawker. He's well known in the area, so anyone who comes to stay, visit, live instantly, you hear about Hawker because he's so eccentric. One of nine children, so you think busy old household. Just to stand out, you'd have to do something a bit crazy. You know, running away from school, running away from home. He used to dress as a mermaid down on the beach. So he'd have one of those big long wigs on, he'd be wearing the bottom half of a, a mermaid outfit uh, and strumming a guitar, apparently, just to get the, the eye of passers-by. In Victorian times, he would have certainly caught the eye of everybody in the area. Yeah, it's quite strange that somebody with those eccentricities would go into religion. He was a man of the cloth. You might have thought of somebody in a, a sort of sombre garb, but he was quite the opposite. You know, he'd have a bright purple cassock, he'd have pink hats, bright socks. He was well known for mixing with various animals. And he had nine cats, a stag, a pig that he used to walk around the parish on the lead with, and a dog. They were part of his family. 
So he would allow them to come to church and be part of the congregation. But they were all subject to the same rules and regulations. Felix, stop that! Would you please leave the congregation? For example, one of the cats was excommunicated because it went catching mice on a Sunday. So, you know, there were strong ethics in the man. Now, where were we? So, yeah, certainly stood out from your average man in black. For all his eccentricities, Hawker was very compassionate. He was known to have you know, deep feelings for any of his fellow men. For example, in 1842, the Caledonian ran ashore on Sharpnose Point in Morwenstow. The parishioners rescued one person and a tortoise. Unfortunately, everybody else perished. At that time, shipwrecked sailors were put where they, they lay dead. Either they went out to sea or they were buried on the beach. But Hawker had the bodies brought back to the church and gave them a Christian burial. Hawker was known for looking out for sailors lost from shipwrecks. There was the Caledonia. A couple of years before was the Alonso. When the timbers came ashore from that one, he had them brought up to the top and made Hawker's hut from them. If you go there now, you can see that those timbers are still obvious ship's timbers. Large ship's nails that have been bashed into the side to hold them in the shape of a hut. And he made that his refuge, really. So he would walk out to the hut, smoke his bit of opium in his clay pipe and write poetry. The hut faces due west, so every night he could have gone there and watched the sunset over the Atlantic. And perhaps that was his place where he went for a bit of solitude to get away from everyone. Some of these stories, Jeff, sound so far-fetched. I just wonder how many have evolved over the years. Some of those things were recorded, so maybe they've just been embellished slightly yeah. more since. Jeff, we could sit here talking to you all day, but Catherine's lined up 15 miles for us to do from here, <laughs> so I think we might have to tear ourselves away. Oh, well, look, have a really good trip going forward. Thank I you I hope very it's much. all good. Thank you. I think it's going to be hilly. Yeah, the thigh burners of North Cornwall. <laughs> yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hawker's hut is such a contrast to so many of the other properties that the National Trust looks after. I mean, even though it sort of resembles a small shed... <laughs> you know, the stories we heard about it are on par with some of the most celebrated big country bars the National Trust looks after. Yeah, I absolutely loved it, even though it was teeny, teeny, tiny. Catherine, we left our electric bikes here, but now the two bikes from yesterday are here. Oh, so okay. four bikes. <laughs> And a card, Joe and Catherine, number three. Now that you have experienced long-distance cycling on traditional gravel bikes and an electrically-assisted bike, you now have the choice to choose which bikes you will use to continue your journey. <laughs> oh! I think I might choose the electric 
Yeah, I mean, they are so convincing once you've been up some of these really steep Cornish hills. Thankfully, I've got a little bit less to go, so I might go for my gravel bike. Right then, Joe. I hate goodbyes, but I've got to crack on. Aww. Have a fantastic rest of your trip. And thank you so much for brilliant last two days. It's been a blast. It really has been fun. But thank you. Thanks for choosing such a brilliant route. Brilliant. Enjoy. Bye. Bye. Often at the National Trust, we talk about how the National Trust looks after every one in 10 miles of British coastline. But actually, it's only when you're out here in the landscape that you realise what an undertaking that is. These really, really special places that are then here for us all to experience and enjoy. So the next and final stop for me is the Peppercoon Boffy, also looked after by the National Trust. So turbo mode engaged and off I go. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the National Trust podcast. If you've been inspired to embark on your own bikepacking adventure, we've got a set of bikepacking bags to give away to one lucky listener. Just send an email to podcasts at nationaltrust.org.uk with bikepacking competition in the subject box, along with your name in the body of the email. Entrants under 16 will need permission from a parent or guardian to be eligible to enter. This competition closes on Friday the 10th of September 2021. Full terms and conditions can be found in the show notes for this episode or at nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash NTP100 as in National Trust podcast episode 100. We'd also like to thank Rally for their help making this episode. We'll be back soon with a new episode. But for now, from me, Joe Dyson, goodbye.